Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. Today, we're talking about podcasts and how audience habits have changed whilst being stuck indoors during lockdown. Joining me today on Skype is Kelly Reardon, managerial editor for ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. She heads up the audio team and talks to me about record-breaking months for some of their podcast shows and how they pulled it off. That's right, so while the lockdown has, for the majority of us, left us without a daily commute to dive into our favourite podcasts, ABC has found that audiences are still tuning in while at home. So if audiences are still tuning in while indoors, the question, I suppose, is what can we do now to maximise our relevancy to our audiences so that we're in the best possible position for when the commute returns and everyone's going back to work? So we're going to get into the detail of their strategies, including special coronavirus episodes, resurfacing relevant content, finicky recording situations, and all the lessons they will carry with them post-pandemic. So all of that is to come. Don't go anywhere. But first, before we jump in, here's something to put into your diary. As well as great editorial content, journalism.co.uk also provides media training for journalists, editors and other media professionals. On the 29th and 30th of September 2020, we've got an advanced podcasting course led by Jack Soper, who works for the BBC and has 20 years of experience as a producer and consultant. For that course and all the other great courses we run, head over to journalism.co.uk forward slash courses. Kelly, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Coming to you from a cupboard on the other side of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all in that position right now? It's a wonderful testament to the situation we're all in. We're here to kind of talk about sort of what's happened with podcasts over the last couple of months. Like a lot of people, myself in this lockdown period and, and working from home, I've lost what we could consider to be sort of a podcast routine in my morning commute I've, I've kind of lost that space when we entered into that lockdown period uh Kelly did you expect podcast performance to sort of take a hit did you expect much to change on your front where podcasts are obviously a big part of ABC's offering look I don't think I had any idea what would happen um I think like many people we were just reeling from this very unprecedented event and I thought to myself you know is this going to work for us or against us but I don't think I ever had a strong sense either way. We certainly were looking at what was happening, you know, particularly in America where podcasting is so big and seeing a bit of a drop off there. And I was, to be honest, bracing myself that we would have a similar drop off in podcast listening in Australia. But in actual fact, we've seen almost the opposite, um, which is incredible. We've seen more people turning to podcasts during this lockdown period than ever before. I mean, that's that's fascinating, obviously, given, obviously, as I said, the, the lack of commute. Why do you suppose that it hasn't had kind of that drop off period that we might have expected? 
I think this is really interesting because if you look at the Infinite Dial report from Edison, which is pretty much the the report that captures the best audio and podcast listening around the globe, what I find fascinating is that the vast majority of podcast listeners in Australia listen at home, 80%. Um, Listening in the car accounts for about 45% of podcast listening here, while only about 20% of listening occurs while on public transport. And this, this always shocks me because I know myself with my own patterns that I do listen on public transport or while I'm exercising. But I guess in Australia, we perhaps don't have quite the reliance on commuter listening as say you would in a market like London or New York. So if more people are used to listening at home, perhaps the fact that they're all at home has helped us. I think the other thing I've been wondering about is our smart speaker consumption in Australia. So 17% of Australians own a smart speaker and this is some of the highest uptake in the world. So perhaps if home listening to podcasts is stronger here and people are used to listening on, you know, whether it's a Google Home or an Apple device or an Amazon Alexa, that might account for, you know, us being a little bit protected from this large drop off in podcast consumption that we saw in February and March in other parts of the world. So, I mean, how much does this COVID period really then, how much has it really changed the playing field then for you? Has it Does that really sort of clash with existing trends or really just sort of say, stay the same? Look, we've noticed two things um, that have happened since COVID-19 arrived. Early on, people definitely wanted that credible information. So the ABC immediately launched a podcast called CoronaCast, and this is a daily short-form podcast featuring two of our best health reporters. And one of them in particular, Dr Norman Swan, has had this very long esteemed career at the ABC as as a science and health journalist. So during this time, he almost became a national treasure in Australia. Like he was the one the nation turned to even more than, you know, perhaps our prime minister. Um, So people were really uh, flocking to that podcast because it gave you up-to-date advice on the virus. The other thing we noticed was with some of the existing podcasts that my team creates, we did specific COVID-related episodes within existing shows. So in that early March period. Um, For example, we did a special episode of a show we do called Parental Is Anything, where, and it's a, it's a, parenting podcast and so our host Maggie Dent walked the audience through how to talk to your kids about coronavirus. So we are supposed to be feeling stressed right now. Let me just get that one right out the road. We have just gone through a really, really difficult three and four months We've had so many people in our country struggling with drought, and some of those droughts are still continuing. Then we had the most hideous bushfire season. What's happened is everyone's nervous system, particularly in Australia, was already what we call hypervigilant. So it takes absolutely ages before your kind of consciousness says, hey, listen, we're safe. And that wasn't something we were planning, but we saw an opportunity and that got a couple of thousand more downloads than the average episode in that series would get. And similarly, we have a kids ethics show, Short and Curly, that's very popular. And we did a special COVID themed episode where we sort of explained to kids in a way that they would understand just what this virus is and how it works and what they needed to know about it. 
Now, we wanted to make this special mini episode to talk a little about cooperation during the coronavirus pandemic. And we are literally doing this from my apartment. Yes, that's right. Hello, neighbours. Sorry we're so loud. And just because things seem a bit weird and difficult right now doesn't mean life just stops. Jazzercise carries on, even in my tiny apartment. Dude, please have a shower. Hello, and today you're listening to Short. You're listening to Short and Kind. You know, that content did really well for us and, and um, you know, got a couple of thousand more downloads than usual. But then in late April and May, and we saw this for television as well as for our radio and podcast content, people wanted escapism content. They wanted familiar voices. They wanted to hear those people they were used to hearing. And so that's where shows like Conversations, which is um, a daily long-form interview show that we have in Australia. In fact, it's the most downloaded podcast in Australia started to do even better than it's ever done before because and and this is a show just about you know extraordinary stories of extraordinary Australians um so it has nothing to do with the coronavirus it's not a news podcast it it's it's colorful human interest stories in a long form format and people just you know were flocking to it in droves um similarly we have a comedy podcast um by a well-known Australian comedian called Judith Lucy and people just want to take their mind off the news cycle and the lockdown and so this was a perfect example in that it was a built um, structured narrative series where you went on a quest with Judith Lucy to make her life and the world a better place and the audience just lapped it up because they wanted to feel upbeat, they wanted to laugh, they wanted to be taken to another world, they wanted that escape from the news cycle. What I want to guess at is when we think about our audience being stuck indoors, what's your insight in terms of building a strategy to appeal to those listeners that you that you have indoors and are at home? At the point at which everyone was at home cleaning out their linen cupboard because no one could leave the house, we were like, people are going to be so bored and they can't watch a Netflix series while they're cleaning the linen cupboard because the linen cupboard's in the hallway. So what do they want to take their mind off this and so we, we came up with like fresh ideas um, and topics for existing shows. But then we also did a number of experiments with shows that were brand new. So we created a show called Dishy and it's about food and conversations and what food means to us. And so we jumped on that zeitgeist idea about food in times of crisis and how it binds us, how it helps add meaning to life. And so we very quickly put together a show, 10 episodes of stories about food. And we actually used an external production company for the first time. Uh, because we came up with the concept in-house, but we had to move really quickly in tricky circumstances. So to scale it, we used an external production house to help us with it so that we could move really quickly. Another great example is a show that we call Mindfully. And I came up with this idea to resurface this podcast 
because we do it in partnership with a non-profit mindfulness organization called Smiling Mind. It's a series of short guided meditations. And I knew people would be anxious and they'd need, you know, content to help restore calm at this time. But we just could not get a new series going amid the lockdown because we couldn't move around and we couldn't get into recording studios and all those things. But then I just thought, we don't need to. We have four series of great meditations already. So let's pick the best ones and then organize a new introduction. So we had a new introductory episode and we called it mindfully the Corona Calm series. Hey, if you've been feeling like the world's a pretty weird and stressful place right now, you are not alone. I'm Lisa Miller, and the ABC wants to bring you just a little bit of calm in the midst of coronavirus. Here at the ABC, we've handpicked eight of our best meditation and mindfulness exercises to help you stay calm in the middle of all the uncertainty. Every week for the next eight weeks, we'll bring you a specially chosen episode of Mindfully straight into your ears. All you have to do is find a comfortable spot, breathe and listen. If you're new to meditation and mindfulness, this is an easy place to start. There's no equipment, it's completely free, and it will take less than 10 minutes a day. How achievable. We alerted all the apps to it because, of course, all the podcasting apps were looking for this sort of content. And we got our best results ever for this season. So it was season number five, but it wasn't even new content. It was just resurfacing something. So this is a great example of adapting by moving quickly Um, to resurface something and our results were that we were up by about a third on previous seasons Um, so it's a really great example of how you can use your back catalogue to create some really great new products use your back catalogue I like that quote you've obviously taken a good hard look at thinking what have we already got in our locker that will be useful to our audiences how can we resurface that and make it easy for them to discover and, and digest and that is absolutely correct and Another thing that we did, you know, simultaneously while everyone was looking for new podcasts to listen to, I just said to my team, what if I did a podcast recommendation like series on YouTube and I just basically pick three podcasts and they're not ABC podcasts, they're all kinds of podcasts from all over the world. And I just say, here's three really great podcasts that you can listen to with kids or here's three really great podcasts if you're into food or here's a deep sports narrative show that you're going to love and here's why I love it. So we just, again, I shot it in my lounge room and I sent the footage to a video editor from the ABC and said, what can you do with this? And he made it look beautiful and we put it out on YouTube And it did really well for us. And that's a great way to make podcasts more discoverable, which we know is an issue for podcasting. Um, And it also slipped us into that zeitgeist right at the moment when people were a bit sick of, you know, watching Tiger King on Netflix and wanting a different (laughs) kind of experience. Oh, that's funny. Um, But the the value, I suppose, of... uh... (laughs) The value of doing it on YouTube, of course, is that you you kind of can then repurpose the content, right? You've got it on multiple platforms to help discoverability. That's right. And it got us to audiences that perhaps had never sampled a podcast. So in Australia, about 25% of the population listens to podcasts monthly, except that awareness of podcasting is very, very high. So awareness is at 87% in Australia. People are familiar with the term podcasting. 
But in terms of, and that's higher than in America, right, where it's about 75%. But we still need to close the gap with actual listening. So people have heard of this thing called podcasting. They know what an iPod is or they know that people listen to things on their mobile phones. But a number of Australians still have never listened to a podcast. So I saw the YouTube series as a way to get into the minds and hearts of people who've never thought to listen to a podcast and who then, if they wanted to, would go to Apple Podcasts or wherever they'd go, find 800,000 and give up not being able to find great content quickly. And I thought, well, if I, I can sift through the morass of shows and tell people what the really great ones are and help them out. How does it work in your interest to promote other people's podcasts? I mean, I think it's just genuine and authentic. If I was to do a series where I only recommended ABC podcasts and I'm from the ABC, I think people would, you know, sniff through that pretty quickly and say, look, this is just an ad. Um, and, you know, we have some editorial guidelines at the ABC that would pretty much prohibit that as well because we, we are an impartial, independent uh, public broadcaster. Um but I just wanted to be authentic. I don't just listen to ABC shows. I love all sorts of shows from all around the world, whether it's a great show from Gimlet or something from Pineapple Street Media or something from, you know, the BBC. Um, I discover so many wonderful shows and I want to crow about all of them. But I also know that, you know, I crowed about a few ABC ones as well, but I also know that the more people who listen to podcasts full stop the more people are going to listen to ABC podcasts as well. My takeaway here is that with that sort of increase in demand, it's not just about putting out more shows, but it's also about leveraging what you have. In terms of maintaining the output of what might be usual expectations and normal output, how have you kind of adapted in, in this sort of strange circumstance we're all in, working from home, you know, distributed teams, what have you, in terms of the setups, in terms of the workflow, how's it worked for you? Um, I think one of the best examples is we were making Australia's very first scripted podcast for children. So a great fictional series that's about um, two 12-year-olds who live in a regional town in Australia and something mysterious is happening with the data in the town each night. So at about you know seven minutes past seven, the data for everybody, the internet just goes down at the same time every night. And these kids are like, something's up here. And, and you know, there unfolds a mystery. Well, we've been working on this show for about a year. We had child actors, you know, properly trained child actors in the studios in early January doing a whole lot of recordings. And so we'd, we'd been through the writer's room, we'd done the scripts, we'd cast the kids, we'd done the recordings. But the bit we hadn't done is what we call the pickups or the retakes. So inevitably, once you start editing everyone's takes together, something is always goes awry and you're missing a line or you decide you want to change a line. And right at the time when we realized we had all these retakes that we needed done, Corona happened and one of the kids had to go into full lockdown even before the sort of proper lockdown because they'd been exposed to someone who'd been overseas. And so we ended up in this situation where we had all these children in different places in Sydney and we couldn't get them into studios. So John Jacobs, the engineer, and Justine Kelly, the executive producer, and Kyla Sliven, the supervising producer, came up with this ingenious plan where John drove to one of their houses, put recording equipment at the front door, walked away, hopped into his car sitting outside the house, 
the family and the kid came out and got the recording gear, took it inside the house. John then talked them through how to set it up from his car outside. And then we also had an iPad to the producers where they were also directing them on how they sort of editorially wanted the lines delivered. And we recorded the whole thing like that. (laughs) And to put that sort of degree of difficulty on a show like that together was just outstanding. And I'm so proud of that team for doing it. And we we did, we hit our deadline, um, which was June. And we had quite a hard deadline on this one because we always release our our best um, podcast for children during the school holidays. So we have a, a, a what is our winter school holidays in June and July. So we had a deadline we had to meet. And we also had loads of kids at home still. So we knew we could hit this sweet spot where so many kids were still doing school from home. Their parents were trying to work. Their parents were trying to keep them entertained. It was all getting really hard. And we thought, we have to get this series out. We can't push this back. And amazingly... McElroy uncovered this wonderful scripted series for children went out when it you know had to and and I'm so proud of the team for that it's a wonderful testament of you know perseverance and just in this moment of time us doing you know whatever it takes to get the piece out I suppose and 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 we've certainly done a lot of I guess the other thing just to mention is we've done it we've had to do a lot of cleaning up audio in post-production um so even with all the prep in the world there's you know, lots of things went wrong. And of course, um, you know, files had weird noises or didn't work or, you know, and so we've had all that as well, which I'm sure lots of producers around the world are struggling with. I think we're all in in that boat. I mean, what has this meant for kind of audio quality standards and expectations at ABC this period? We pride ourselves generally on having very high production values. So, you know, we are the public service broadcaster in Australia and we are well known for our radio and podcast services and you know we make um, high quality shows with engineers and great equipment microphones studios you know soundproofing the lot I guess what this has made us realize though is lo-fi can work for you in certain circumstances and so spending hours on a crossfade you know may not always be worth it um I I do think especially with shows like conversations where we normally insist on recording that show face-to-face quality so it's it's the best quality it can be because it's a long form hour-long show it's not like a a five-minute interview on your breakfast show but we just couldn't do it like that. And what we realized is it opened the world up to us. We could suddenly start recording guests in Los Angeles and New York and Africa and Egypt and everywhere in between. Um, so we could get stories we couldn't normally get. And also the audience just trusts in the story. So what I said to that team was trust in your process. You you spend so much time pre-interviewing the best guests there are and constructing this wonderful narrative and interview and people hear past the slightly echoey you know slightly scratchy sound and we kind of roll our eyes as you know professionals but you know the audience just isn't hearing it and in fact the opposite is happening they're enjoying it more than ever Um, I think there will still be a thirst for high quality and high production values and those deep dive series that are you know just outstanding music design and sound effects Um, But I think you have to now think more carefully about where your effort 
requires that and then perhaps where it doesn't and where something cheap and quick and easy to execute works and where it wouldn't work and you do need to do the higher you know production values and i think we're thinking about that a lot more now mm. and conversations is still going strong right over this period it's you know millions and millions of downloads every month so <laughs> hasn't really taken a hit on at all has it not at all june was our record month ever and that show has actually been going since 2005 so i don't know what 16 years later it is still australia's most popular podcast i suppose now you probably have one eye on returning to normality kelly um as we touched on at the beginning you know audiences are now kind of changing their interests and, you know, as you said, they're sort of now flocking towards escapism content. How do you kind of keep one ear to the ground and monitor what your audiences are kind of wanting at this time, given there are those, what I would suggest are quite sudden changes in, in appetite? I think in the digital era, you are looking at a whole number of metrics to drive the next thing that you want to do. And so whenever I'm commissioning a new show or building out a new show, I'm looking at a whole lot of things. I'm monitoring engagement data. I'm looking at um, how long people are listening for. I'm looking at audience metrics to sort of understand patterns around genre or length. Um, I'm looking at Google trends, social research. What are people into? What's in the zeitgeist? What's trending on social? Um, I'm looking at all of that information. And then at the ABC, um, I'm also looking at you know, what can we put into the market that's distinctive? Um, because, you know, as a taxpayer-funded organisation, we're not here just to replicate what everybody else is doing. We're trying to also make shows that are unique and that tell uniquely Australian stories and gather communities to have uniquely Australian conversations. So it's a whole range of things that you're looking at and, and it's part of... Um, my role to look ahead to the future, what new formats are going to come up, what does what does a reality TV show look like as a podcast or is the next big genre scripted, you know, or, you know, are these are chat shows sitting around a table over and it's all about, you know, comedy podcasts or whatever's happening in the zeitgeist. So you're looking at a number of things um, and that will continue certainly into the future. Given what we said about Australians being relatively low podcast listening on the on the commute, Kelly, when, when people do start to go back to work and are back on the commute, will that change anything for you in your strategy? It might in terms of length, uh, perhaps, of episodes and things like that. But I also suspect that those new listeners, new people who've never listened to a podcast before and in 2020 suddenly found this format... I hope we'll get on a train or a bus or, you know, when they're riding their bike or whatever they do, we'll continue to listen. So I think we will watch, you know, really closely what consumption habits do. But I think overall, you're always thinking about people listening to a podcast at a time of their choosing um, in a place that they want to listen to it. And there's still the thing I love about podcasting and, and why it still beats so many other forms of journalism uh, or storytelling is that you can still do it while you are doing something else. And it's very hard to read a newspaper article while you're doing something else. I think the fact that podcast is usually an opt-in experience, you choose the show that you're going to listen to rather than just turning on the radio and getting kind of whatever is happens to be the discussion at that time. I think people will 
look for content that's tailored to their their needs and their wants and that's what podcasting can deliver in a way that nearly you know I just can't think of digital content that really does it the way podcasts do I think you speak sense I mean I can't even watch YouTube while I'm doing the washing up because I'm trying to look at two things at the same time it's hard right Final question from me, Kelly, here is kind of what have you taken away from this kind of pandemic period? What kind of lessons will you transfer into a you know a post-pandemic world at the ABC? What have you really taken from this time? Look, I think in terms of ABC Audio Studios, which is the podcast team that I run, I've reflected a lot on how I work as a leader. Um, and because keeping tabs on your staff and people as human beings, I think has never been more important. And so checking in more regularly with staff um, has been really important. But also the executive producers that I work with are split across many different uh, cities in Australia. They're in Melbourne and Sydney and the Gold Coast and Brisbane. So my team's already quite used to working remotely, certainly from me and from each other. So we were able to quickly adapt to working remotely. And, you know, we would have a a three-hour Uh, brainstorming session on coming up with a new show and we'd whiteboard it you know with sticky notes the way we would do when we were in the room together and because we're quite used to it we we just made that work right from the get-go so I think it's thinking about new tools and new technologies and how you can use those to have great team dynamics and I think also just you know making virtual meetings fun and I don't mean fun by wearing a weird hat or you know come in your latest costume for whatever I mean it more in that you can still make those meetings really engaging so one of the things my team and I have done is is like a a show and tell session which we rotate around and it's show and tell on a project so talk about a podcast that you're working on and share some of the things that you've learned or or something that you grappled with, or a piece of technology that you tried that failed, and tell us what happened and what you've figured out in the meantime. We just make it 10 minutes, but it just makes the meeting valuable and useful, and it gives staff a sense of pride in their work, and it also breaks up a meeting. You know, an hour on Zoom is like, it's kind of a particular form of hell really isn't it (laughs) so what can you do in your team to make it relevant and engaging and give people ways to interact um, I think is something I'm thinking a lot about and I guess the other thing is just you know I'm reflecting a lot on not working till 10 p.m like at this time because we all left the office so suddenly and we were still in the middle of productions my whole team could have sat up till midnight every night for the first, you know, eight weeks just to make shows happen. But I decided to model and I talked to my team a lot about, we can't let this burn us out. We can't crush this. You have kids at home. You are in unusual circumstances where you can't visit your elderly parents who are in a nursing home. Like you've got to look after yourself you know, this isn't a two-week thing. We are here for the long haul. This is a marathon and I need you to conserve energy. I need us to be kind to each other. And I don't pretend for one second to always get that right. Um, I'm a human being that fails and I fail regularly, just like everyone. You know, a couple of my staff have said to me, we really 
respect and admire you for sharing when you're having a tough time at home with your kids today underfoot or, you know, um, that I've sort of let down my guard as a boss because they're peering into my lounge room, right? There's no boundaries anymore. Um, So I think one thing that I'm going to carry with me is like how we can just all be kinder and more forgiving to our work colleagues and remembering that we're all doing our best in very weird circumstances at the moment and the only way to get through this crisis as a as a team as a family as a nation as a globe of humans we we just have to work together and we have to be patient and kind that was music to my ears and uh, i love what you said about the show and tell as well two really really good um extracts there Kelly, I've really appreciated your time doing this. This was this was so good. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be on your podcast. I, I love your show and it gives me so many useful tips. So thank you. Really interesting insights there from Kelly. I've taken away a couple of things from this episode. The main one, as she nicely puts it, is about slipping into the zeitgeist, keeping people plugged into our content, adapting to changes of interest, adapting to new working scenarios, because it's worth it. People are still tuning into podcasts from home. So when commuting returns, we want to still be relevant and in a position to occupy that moment. And there's a chance here to find new audiences that we wouldn't normally. So think hard about capturing them and maintaining that connection. For ABC, as we've discussed, it's not just about launching new shows. It's also about resurfacing old but relevant ones and making sure the favourites are still going out strong and doing it by whatever means necessary in these challenging times of recording in wardrobes and juggling work-life commitments. Just to say the clips from today's shows are all copyright of ABC and have been used with permission. Before I leave you, as usual, you can check out all our other episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. If you'd like to feature on the podcast, do drop me an email at jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all from me. Thanks for tuning in. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Until next time.